The King is Coming, part two. If you've missed part one, I can't do much of a recap, really. We need to move on. We have a lot to look at tonight. Let's turn again to Revelation chapter 19, please. Revelation chapter 19. And let's just read from verse 11 and keep your Bible open for we will refer to this chapter amongst other portions of Scripture. But mark this chapter. Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father, take your word. And we pray that you would, Lord, open every heart to receive your word. Lord, help our understanding where we may not understand and help us to see where we may not see. Encourage every one of your people, Lord. And if there's one, who's come in tonight, not saved, not yet knowing Christ as their Lord and Savior of their soul. We pray tonight, Lord, that they would surrender themselves, that they'd come to the foot of the old rugged cross and be washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb, trusting in his merit and all that he has accomplished and in that only and alone. So, Father, again, help my clay lips, anoint them and use me for your honor and for your glory. We'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The symbology of Revelation is right throughout the whole book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. We're told that the Lord gave to the angel to signify or to signify unto John to give to the church. To signify, signify. So it's full of uh, symbols. It's full of Signs that we can look at, that we can see what has happened throughout time. And there's a, 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 a view and a vision of, of Revelation 19 of Christ coming on a horse, which obviously it won't be a literal horse in the skies. But it gives the idea of victory. It gives the idea that he's coming as a champion. We looked at it last week and we'll not go through it again. Sharp two-edged sword comes out of his mouth. The word of God, that is. And he has a, a rod of iron. We looked at that last week and we showed you how there was a rod of iron used uh, by the Lord in Revelation chapter 2 at the church of Thyatira, the church that is ruled by a woman. Jezebel is the woman mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 at the church of Thyatira. And we looked at how that is prophetic through time. Then after the pagan Roman Empire had died, there was a deadly wound to the beast. Another beast raised his head. It was healed again, as it were, and it came up as a papal beast. And from that, we, we have it then as a woman rides the beast of 
uh, revelation into the book of Daniel. We looked at the member of the man with the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. From Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, now art this head of gold. And then he had his chest and arms of silver, speaking of the Medo-Persian king that would come through time. And then the bronze of the midriff would have been of Alexander the Great. And then the legs of iron. And then the feet part of iron and part of clay. Leading into the ten kingdoms that were around the pagan Roman Empire that attacked Rome and had the fall down the deadly wound of the beast. And then, of course, the little horn would arise up as it's known. Now, I have done this teaching on PowerPoint. You can find it in Nebuchadnezzar's Dreams. Something that's entitled like that. Over four weeks we did it. I can't go into it in detail. But notice from that comes the, the, the area covered is where the European Union is today. And so that beast system with the woman still riding the beast. We looked at the false religions of the world who all claim different things but now being brought under and also Protestants, brackets, so-called Protestant churches amalgamating and ecumenizing with Roman every other religion under, uh, around the world. Judaism is being represented and Islam is represented, and Orthodoxy is represented, and Hinduism is represented, all coming together around the Pope. And so we see this woman, this church system, this heart, riding the beast also throughout Europe, but it's bigger than that. That's where it's resemblance and resemblance and relative, I should say, to us in Europe, and uh, this part of this little spot in Europe called Ulster. And notice here we find that with this whole European Union and the whole Brexit thing, I'm not going to go into Brexit tonight again. But how we need to be out of that, because we're going to look tonight in the Lord's will and with the Lord's help, that the, the European Union will fall. And it's not only just in Rome and it's all those uh, uh, ecclesiastical body, but that ecclesiastical body or those religions are worldwide, they're global. And they're spiritual. They're in every country around the world. And so we're going to look at it. It's also a monetary system and a governmental system uh, around the world. It's the European Union. Then they're trying to join Mexico and the South Americas with North America and Canada and make it into another global block. Why do you think all the migration's happening at the minute? Why do you think Trump's speaking about the wall? Why do you think of all of those things that are happening? It's all behind this liberal neo-Marxism that's causing it to happen. Wanting to flood our nations. Wanting to, to, to take our nations from the, the Bible-believing uh, nations that we were built upon, the laws and regulations, and to take it away from us. It's happening across the nations of Europe. They're trying to build a, a, a United Nations, uh, pardon the, the term, a, a nation that are, nations that are united of African nations. And then there's this, the, the, the ASEAN nations of the East, the Asian, A-S-E-A-N it's called, it's the Asian, Southeast Asian nations have come into a conglomeracy together. So they're trying to build it into blocks. Why? They can control people easier when they're in blocks. Alison and I, 20 years ago, were missionaries in Romania. And we were in a city, it's, uh, I think it's their third largest city, second or third largest city, and it's called Timisoara. And our Romanian guide that was with us, an and interpreter, he brought us around these apartment blocks and there was rows of them and any amount of them, I'm sure. Uh, uh, our brother Ronnie has seen this, things like this in Poland. And under the Eastern European block, 
they had all these apartment blocks, but they're just like blocks of old flats, and they're, they're, there's miles of them. And we asked them, well, why are there so many? It's because under communist rule, they were able to control the people easier. To control the people easier. Able to block them in. And all of these things are happening still in our world today. Only they're doing it now with nations to control that way. But you see, the Bible tells us, we looked at it last week, that the Lord is on his way. I don't know the day. I don't know the date. We don't know the hour. But Christ, the King, is coming. He's coming. And how is he coming? Many think, well, he's going to come and things are going to be great and just all those nations are going to walk wonderfully up into Jerusalem and that's not how it's going to happen at all. He's coming to rule with a rod of iron. He's coming to smite the nations. He's coming to judge and to make war. He's coming to rule. Listen to what Jude says. It's only one chapter of Jude, Jude's epistle, verses 14 and 15. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Verse 15. To execute judgment, notice, upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Do you see every time you turn on your radio, whether you watch television or whatever you're doing, and you see all the ungodliness, whether you're in workplace or in the street, and all of that ungodliness, they will all answer to that. They'll all answer for that to God. For Christ is coming, and that's why James says he's coming. And he's coming to judge. He's coming to make war. Will you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17? Please mark Revelation 19. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, and verse 26. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Luke 17, verse 26. As it were in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And Lord, we're speaking of his second coming. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Notice, going back to Genesis chapter 6, you want to know what the world was like, what the world is going to be like at the coming of Christ. Go to Genesis 6 when you go home and read it. Violence filled the earth. There was sin abounding everywhere. And so when the Lord, he brings our minds back to Noah and he says, as in the days of Noah, so will it be when he comes again. I think we're there, aren't we? We're very close to it if we're not. I think we're there and getting closer. But notice what he says. So the waters prevailed on the earth and that was the the flood or the deluge in Noah's day. Look at verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus, shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, when we see him coming, they're going to be like the days of Lot in Sodom. And you can find out if you were to go home and write Genesis 19, read about the account of the two angels that come to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it because of their sin. And even the men of Sodom in that day says, let us send out the two men that we may know them. And the word know is the exact same word that's used for Adam knew his wife Eve. It's the same word. 
And Jesus says this will be prevalent in our land, in our nations. It will be prevalent in the world when he returns. This time, it isn't water. This time, it's fire. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, please. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, please. And let's just read down from verse 7. Let's go from verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. Notice, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Did you read that there? So you can see how Jesus says, when he's revealed, it'd be like Sodom. When he's revealed, it rained fire and brimstone. Now let's continue on. Paul writes, in flaming fire. How will he be revealed? In flaming fire. What will he do? Taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you something, church, tonight. Whenever we hear these words, it's so aggressive against the sinner. It's so, uh, uh, it's so unrighteous in their eyes that God would, would judge them for, their, for living a life, for doing what they do and being who they are. And, and they think it's really harsh and wrong and bad of us to tell people of it. But really, we love them so much, we want to tell them it. It's not through hate that we tell the gospel. It's not through hate that we tell them of a coming Christ. It's not through hate that we warn them of a judgment to come but rather because we don't want them to end up in a lake of fire. It's through love. But truth hurts. One old Puritan once says, I think it was Samuel Rutherford off the top of my head, he said, truth seldom goes without a scratched face. And when you tell the truth, you're going to have a scratched face. And people will detest us, and people will hate us, And the more time rolls on, should Jesus tarry, we'll find that we will become even worse in the eyes of the world. But hang fast. Hold fast that which the Lord has given me. Because the King is coming. The King is coming. Notice this also. That obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Everlasting. Everlasting. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. When Jesus comes, I'm looking for him to come. I'm praying that he would come. I would love him to come right now. And I want to admire him for what he's done. I want to admire him for rescuing me. I want to admire him for forgiving me, for for loving me when I was unlovable, for reaching me when I was unreachable, for helping me when I was unhelpable, for his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his mercy and his compassion and his love and and his long suffering and his gentleness toward me. I admire the Lord Jesus Christ. I admire him with all my heart. He's my savior, my redeemer. He's my Lord. He's my master. And he's my king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's my friend. Friend, what about you? Have you obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you obeyed him? For when he comes, I will admire him. I'll admire him because, Lord, what would you ever see in me? 
Let's be honest. What would he ever say in me? Notice here, there will be those who will be punished with everlasting destruction and there will be those who will be glorified and we will admire him. Go with me again to Revelation 19, please. Revelation 19. We're going to start getting into a little bit here more of a teaching. I'm going to try and come out of the preaching mode because once I go into the preaching mode, I can't, I find it hard to get out of it. I'm going to try and get into the teaching mode. Verse 9 of Revelation 19 says, And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Notice the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let your eye please run down to verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. What's the difference? The marriage supper of the Lamb and there's the supper of the great God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is for the redeemed. The bride of Christ at the wedding feast with their bride. The marriage or the supper of the great God is for every horde and demonic foul spirit to feast before they're cast into hell. Every lost soul, every damned man and damned woman. What supper do you want to sit at? What supper do you want to be at? What table would you like to be at? I want to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know why? Because I've put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved by grace through faith in him alone. Will you turn with me to Matthew 22 just for uh, some reading? I might have to jump across some of this just for time's sake. Matthew chapter 22, please. Let your eye just, we'll start reading from verse 1, please. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Notice all things are ready. Everything's done for you. All you got to do is come. Everything's done. All things are ready. Come unto the marriage. There's your invitation. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And a remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Now, let me just tell you here, there's a national aspect to here is we have to look at. He's speaking here to the Jews at Jerusalem. You're rejecting me. You've been asked to come to the marriage supper. You've rejected me. I'll be crucified by you. You've slain all the prophets before you. You've hated at me. He says, and I'm going to shed my blood and you're still going to reject me. And armies will come. What was that army? Titus, the Roman prince, came in AD 70 and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. That's the armies Jesus is speaking of. Notice. 
And he, and he said unto his servants, Thy wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as were found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Who are those in the highways? The lost sheep. You are. I am. He says, go out and gather in my sheep. Go and send out the invitation. So those servants went out. The wedding was furnished. Verse 11. The king came in to see the guests, and he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping, and an icing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So this man thinks he's going to get into heaven just by wearing his own righteousness, wearing his own wedding clothes, wearing his own garments. And the wedding garments you need on are the righteousness of Christ by believing the only one that was true and righteous and sinless was the Lord Jesus. And he comes in and he says, you haven't got a wedding garment on. And that's happening when Christ returns, the wedding supper of the Lamb. There will be those who won't enter in. There will be those who will be speechless before him because they'll be found guilty as charged in his presence. Breaking of the law of God. Sinning with importunity. Walking away and doing our own things and living in our own sin. And he says there's going to be a world of people. They're going to be put outside. Many are called. Few are chosen. Who are the called? Call's going out tonight, isn't it? They're called to the wedding. It's going out now. Who are the chosen? Those whom the Spirit will draw. Those whom the Spirit will draw. And so in Revelation 19 and verse 17, come and gather yourselves to the supper of the great God. Notice in verse 17, if you look at Revelation 19, please. Notice this. And just let me find it myself. That's right, run down. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond and small and great. Now this is at the coming of the Lord. Remember, this is symbolic of all these people. Notice, and I saw the beast. But we're already saddled who that beast is, isn't that right? And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. And their armies gathered together. What for? To make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, with, and with him the false prophet. Who is that false prophet? It's Islam, Muhammad. That wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. And the sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls of the air with their flesh. Can I show you a glimpse what I believe that this is? Will you turn with me please to the book of Ezekiel? The book of Ezekiel please. Chapter 38. We're just going to run down through this quickly. 
And you tell me if this is not the saber rattling that's in our news tonight. That's been in our news and comes and goes. One of these days, the blue touch paper will happen. Ezekiel 38, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now notice, I've done this in detail. I've done it quite a number of times in detail, but let me just briefly give you. I, I know people argue with me and they say, this isn't Russia. I'll tell you, even when it was a communist bloc and the, and a, the communism bloc of, of the Soviet Union broke down, people said, see, Russia has fallen, there's no communism. Listen, it's on the rise again, the Russian bear's rising. I still believe it was Russia. I was taught that years ago and I haven't changed from it. I still believe it is. And that north parts, it comes from the north parts. It's all that north from the land of Israel there. Meshach and Tubal, the whole region round about. Some say Meshach and Tubal are ancient names for Moscow and Tobolsk. Some argue against it. But nevertheless, there's no other region that, that marks as that. And notice what he says in verse 4. And I will turn thee backward and put hooks into thy jaws. What does that mean? Well, do you see the United States of America? Now, I'm a fan of America in the sense I have many friends there and I love them. I don't agree with everything they do. I don't agree with all the wars that they have. Nor Britons either. But along the very uh, north borders of Poland and, and into Ukraine and so on, the Americans have, have, have uh, uh, missile ranges the whole way along there pointed towards the, the, the Russian border. Did you know that? And the Russians are angry. So the Russians moved down to South America. And the Russians are now trying to get in further into South America, and so is communist China. They're actually banning up oil fields down there. They're, the Chinese are. And so we're, we're having hooks put into their jaws. Remember, this was happening with Britain. You know, just last week, we, uh, the Americans uh, scrambled planes off the uh, coast of Alaska, and they had to turn back Russian fighters coming in across Alaska. It's happening on a regular basis, coming around the north coast of our British Isles here. And the RAF are scrambled virtually on nearly a monthly basis, putting hooks into their jaws. And now we're going to see in a moment how further hooks are put in. Notice this. Verse 5, Persia. That's Iran. Iran only became Iran in about 1935, I think it was, around there. I might be. By the way, I told you 1950 was the Treaty of Rome. It's 1957, I told you last week. And I said, I didn't want to give you a wrong date. And then it just dawned on me, 1957 was the Treaty of Rome, in case anybody marked me on that. So Persia is Iran. And all that encompassing area. And just now, notice, you have Russia and Iran. Russia backs Iran. The, the proxy wars of, 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 of Iran and Iraq. That was Russia and America fighting each other proxy through those two nations. And those nations were obliterated for their greed of Russia and America and the globalist leaders, elitists. And for the put, they want to put in a, a central banking system, the, the elitists. And so they'll use these nations. Libya hadn't got a central banking system. So what did they do? They removed Gaddafi. Now, no fan of Gaddafi. Iraq was the same. Saddam Hussein. 
to put in federal banking. These bankers want to get these units in here, these federal banking systems. And now we're finding that Iran and, uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, Russia are now looking toward the Israeli state. Why? Because the Israeli state. Uh, we're told in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2 that uh, uh, Jerusalem would become a cup of trembling. And in Zechariah 12 and verse 3, it would become a burdensome stone to all nations. And everybody is gathered around that little Zionist state. And there's going to be war. You see, they're there for World War III. Because there's going to be those who love them. There's going to be those who detest them. There's going to be those who think they have a right and those who think they have no right. And they're all going to come and fight over this. Over that little piece of land. By the way, do you know who really owns the land? God owns it. (laughs) Nobody says the land is mine. (laughs) The land is mine. Notice here, he says Persia, Ethiopia. Ethiopia is more uh, of of northern uh, Africa, bigger than what Ethiopia is today. Libya, we know this. And all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer. Some think it's maybe some of the Khazarian area of where that old empire was up into Germany. Sure, we can see what Germany's turning into today. And all his bands, the house of the Garma, Turkey, all his bands, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and all those Stan countries, all those related peoples that go uh, along where they used to be in the Soviet Union, all coming. And it says, I come from the north quarters, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare thyself. Thou and thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou guarded unto them. Now notice, here we have Russia backing Iran. We have Iran, who is now in with the Palestinian terrorist groups. Can you see it all coming together? Will you let your eye run down just for, I, I can't go into all this, the verse 13. It says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lands thereof shall say unto thee, unto Gog, Magog and all those nations. Uh, people argue who Sheba and Dedan are. Some say they are some of the allies of the Arabian Peninsula. I find it strange that uh, the, the, the mayor of London uh, finds nothing wrong or to protest about the Saudi Arabians with all of their, uh, uh, all the things that they do. Um, and they, they can be welcomed on red carpet into, into London, and yet they want to put up a, a big blimp of Donald Trump. I find that ridiculous. There's something wrong, brothers and sisters. There's something wrong. London is lost. Not only spiritually, but it's lost. It's lost to the heathen gods. Notice this. The merchants of Tarshish, or Tertesius is outside the western side of the uh, Straits of Gibraltar. But Tarshish was a place known uh, for smelting tin, copper, and mining it. And across the British Isles, they were known as the smelting isles. The merchants of Tarshish, they traded, even in Solomon's day, 
They used to come and they used to dig from the tin mines in Cornwall. And from around in the wheels, they dug out copper. And they found when they mixed copper and tin together, they, it hardened, it became brass and bronze, and they were able to fight with it and, and use it for other means like that, for a tougher metal. They used to come and used to trade with it. The merchants of Tarsus, uh, 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 Britain used to have, its slogan was, uh, Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. And those naval fleets are now, as we speak, especially the United States, the seventh fleet was attacked yesterday by Iranian, by Iranian gunboats. Did you know that? The seventh fleet of the United States. And up the Straits of Hormuz, the seventh fleet, I think it is, is going up, up there now, ready for war. There are aircraft carriers. The, the ships have went in through the Mediterranean. The British fleets are now starting to head that way too. Merchants of Tarshish. And all the young lands thereof. Well, Britain is the great lion. And what is all the young lands thereof? Well, the motherland and all her children, all her cubs. The commonwealth of nations. The seventh fleet, I'm told, has now landed around uh, in Asia. Or, pardon me, another American fleet has landed around in Asia, uh, ready for attacking to to defend northern Australia from Chinese attack. It's all happening as we're here. We don't hear most of it on the news. And why is it happening? Well, it's happening because of the depravity of men's hearts. And the greed of men's hearts. But I'll tell you why it's happening. Because God said it would. That's why it's happening. Because God said it would. And behind it all, the globalist elite banking system are raking in the trillions and trillions of dollars. Saddam Hussein had no love for the man. I'll be honest. I thought the man was a, uh, was a terrorist. I thought the man was a vile man. But I'll tell you one thing. He wasn't removed for weapons of mass destruction. You know why he was removed? Because he wanted to trade from the petrol dollar to the euro dollar. America thought, he's got to go. We put him in. It was America to put him in place. Used his army to fight the Iranians. And Russia came down and they, they supplied the, the Iranians, even taught them how to uh, start their, their nuclear war program or their nuclear weapons program. That was the Russians done that. And so America and Russia, they were fighting for years, only it wasn't their men that were being killed. It was Iraqis and Iranians. These poor people are being murdered and slaughtered. All for the greed of a banking system that controls elite governments. It's like this, like poetry. Will you let your eye run down, please? Um, let's go to chapter 39, Ezekiel 39. You can read all of that when you go. It's a little bit complicated. Verse 4. Notice what it says. I shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee, and I will give thee what does it say unto what? Ravenous birds. To a base of the field to destroy. So can you see in Revelation 19, this is happening and the, the, there's a supper of the great God. He's, God's given them to the ravenous birds. Now, not literal birds. It gives the idea over to demonic spirits, fighting, murdering, killing, and slaying one another. But Christ must come or else man will waste himself and this earth will become a smoking cinder. It's interesting to note this. Take these notes down if you're taking notes, please. It's interesting to note 
There are four great suppers in the scripture. And every one of them speak of Calvary. And every one of them, every one of these suppers, it gives a, a, an idea that the blackest day, darkest night is coming. For example, we have the Passover supper of Israel in Egypt when the death angel would come through and he says, take the lamb, the Passover lamb. Have your supper, eat the lamb and it's full. Have it. Put the blood on the doorposts and the door lintels. And the Lord says, I'm passing through Egypt tonight in judgment. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. What does it do? It looks forward to Calvary. It's a shadow of Calvary that the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would shed his precious blood and that we would be redeemed through that blood. Second one is the last supper of our Lord Jesus with his disciples when he says, this is my body. He takes bread and he breaks it, which is broken for you this day in remembrance of me. He takes a cup and he drinks from it. That is a remembrance for us for Calvary. Looking forward to Calvary. Now we look back to Calvary. The Lord Jesus on that darkest night was his arrest, his trial, quango trial of a, a godless jury. And thirdly, the marriage supper of the Lamb that we have read about is the blessing of Calvary for all who have come out under the blood like Israel and Egypt, like us today, through the Calvary, we have come trusting in the blood of Jesus. Then that marriage supper is coming of Revelation 19, that we will enter that time and all of this is going on around the world. And then fourthly, there's the supper of the great God that we have looked at. That's the curse without Calvary. You have the shadow of Calvary, the remembrance of Calvary, the blessings of Calvary and the curse without Calvary. The curse without Calvary. Will you turn with me to Revelation 16? Is everyone with me okay? Isn't the Bible a wonderful book, isn't it? Isn't it fantastic? People say there's no God. Do you know you'll not find prophecy like, like that? Not find prophecy in the Quran. Do you know that? It's not in it. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now I've taught on all of these again. This is a summary. The great river Euphrates was a Turkish Ottoman Empire that the people populated. And it started to dry up. And the seven times punishment of the house of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, they were taken away captive. And when you take what's known as their seven times punishment of Israel, uh, Leviticus chapter 26, you'll find it there. God says, I'll punish you seven times more for your sins, which works out at 2,520 years. And when you count out from the taking away of Jerusalem six. 04 BC and you go right down to zero and there's no zero so you add one on and then continue in your 2520 years taken off 
It'll bring you to 1917, and that's when the Balfour Declaration came into play, and that's when General Allenby, the British general, flew the little bi-wing planes over Jerusalem, and they were flying there, and it was the Turkish Ottoman Empire, the Islamic uh, Empire, who held them right a whole way around that Euphrates River. And it started to dry up. The people started to dry up. The Turkish Ottoman Empire started to break down into the Turkish Republic that we have today. I think it finished about 1927, somewhere around there. That is the Ottoman Empire into what it, somewhere around there. So it's only a summary, so forgive me if my mouth, a year so off on my dates, I'm trying to remember them. And General Allenby walked in the Jaffa Gate of Jerusalem. He didn't go in on a donkey, nor did he ride in on a horse, for he says, Christ is the only one that will come in when he comes King of Kings and Lord of Lords back again. And he declared martial law. When they flew those little bi-wing planes over, it fulfilled uh, Isaiah 31 of verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. And passing over, he will defend it and deliver it and so on. They saw, as it were, little birds flying. And they dropped their weapons without a bomb being dropped and without a shot being fired. And they surrendered to two wee soldiers standing outside. <laughs> isn't that tremendous, isn't it? Now listen. Wherever Euphrates dried up, and that was the Turkish Ottoman Empire, and it dried up to make way for the kings of the east might be prepared. And the kings of the east, when you take it from where the Middle East is, and you go further east... You have nations like India and Pakistan. You have nations like China, Japan, Korea, North Korea, and so on. I've taught all of this to an extent. Uh, and, but in 1917, something happened while that was happening in Jerusalem. Something else happened. The Bolshevik Revolution arose. Marxists and Leninists all came up and they slaughtered millions of professing Christians. Millions of them. Don't hear much about that, so you don't. I mean, like, I think it's over 100 million died. And what they did was when they then that started, the Soviet Union would grow out of that, communism would grow out of that. And there was a little man in Russia called Mao Zedong, and he took up the teaching of Marxism and he took it to China. And they started uh, a revolution there and the People's Republic of China fought against it. But the communists grew stronger and he became the head of the Chinese uh, uh, Soviet Republic. And those Chinese nationalists were pushed down south towards Taiwan and they had to cross over into Taiwan to Hong Kong and into there. And that's when Britain held that sea gate. And that's why the Americans today back the Taiwanese because there are still many of those Chinese from the Chinese Republic. Is everybody with me? This happened in 1917, once that happened. See, the, the devil was really angry, wasn't he? The land visions of Fatima. Three shepherd children said they saw a vision of Mary and Fatima in Portugal. And Mary says, go consecrate Russia to my immaculate heart. And so the armies of Fatima rose and the blue flag of Mary started. Hello, there's a, the blue flag, the blue background is off the European Union today. Can you see it all coming together? Is everybody with me all right? Just giving you a word of advance as it happened. Notice, Revelation 16. 
And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world. Notice right here, political Babylon, kings of the earth and the whole world. It spreads right around the world. Political Babylon. Jesus warns, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. The valley of slaughter. Notice now the seventh angel pours out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. This is the last vial. Seven is the number of perfection in the scripture. This is the last vial. And the angel cries, it is done. It's in the same tense as Jesus on the cross when he cried, it is finished. It means pet and food. This is the last. No more payment for sin. No more slaughtering of lambs. It is done. There were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. Now notice verse 19. And the great city was divided into how many parts? Three parts. Babylon. Now this is speaking now. Babylon and all the mysteries of Babylon have went round the earth. So it's called the great city and it's divided into three parts. We have political Babylon. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then you can read on about the destruction after that that we have read about the supper of a great God. End of chapter 17. And there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Let your eye run down, please, to verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the whole earth. Right here, ecclesiastical Babylon. This is where, when Christ is returning now, Ecclesiastical Babylon. This is not just Rome, but all the ecumenizers. This is the apostate Protestantism. Listen, this is the, this is the unbelieving Jews. Islam. And I saw the woman. That's that woman that rides the beast. The whore. Drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Notice that. I have to go on again. Let your eye run down to verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. So she sits on many waters in the next verse. And the multitude people where the whore sitteth of peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So people speak, I'll do more on the book of Revelation sometime, but people speak about there's going to be a big monster coming up out of the sea. Literal big monsters and all. Listen, brothers and sisters, what are they eating? What are they on? The sea in scripture is peoples and tongues and nations. Sea represents people in the scripture. Mountains aren't just all mountains of Israel. They represent the mountains of the nations of Israel. The nations of the people. And so notice this. 
She's now around all the nations. We have it economical then in the next chapter. Verse 2 of chapter 18. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has come and has come, the habitation of devils and the hold of every, what is it? Foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful. Do you see the resemblance in it all now? For the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, and I want to say this to the men of Ulster who are accumulating, come out of her, my people! Come out of her. Not go into her. Come out of her. Come out from among them and be separate. Why? That you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached up to heaven and God have remembered her iniquities. Right there, economical Babylon. Standing of, pardon me, verse 10, standing afar off for the fear of the torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, from one hour thy judgment is come, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man bath her merchandise any more, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, and so on. Can you see that? Economical Babylon? Political? Ecclesiastical? Economical. It's the world system that we live in today. I'm going to close. Thank you for your attention. Revelation 19, please. Were some of you falling asleep that I shouted there, were you? It's warm in here, isn't it? I've seen a few heavy eyelids there. I thought I'd just waken some up. I'll say this just... Maybe I shouldn't, but um, I was in, years ago, I was trying to learn to preach. Still trying to learn. And I used to take, I used to preach in the open air four times a week. Just preaching four times a week. I'd preach in every meeting and I remember it was a wee church up the Shangle Road in Belfast and they asked me to come and preach. And it was a wee woman, a, a pensioners meeting with mostly pensioners. And also I'll tell you, she went with me one afternoon and they feed them first and then they give them the word. And it's warm, nice and comfy. So they feed them, next thing you see them all. So I learned how to do wee tricks to keep them awake. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I think I've done that there whenever I... <laughs> and some of my open air preaching come into it at the time. And I think there whenever, because of the heat there, I could see a few heads starting to bob. And I thought, yeah, they're either agreeing with me or starting to nod down. They're going... <laughs> Look what it says... If you will, Revelation 19 and verse 20. And the beast was taken with the false prophet, the false prophet with him, that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them and had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive 
into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Isn't that horrific? Isn't that horrific? Who wants anybody to go there? Notice the beast and the false prophet. What about the dragon? He's in the next chapter. Look at this. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to bombless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called, what's his name? The devil and Satan. Bound him a thousand years. So Christ comes and all this is happening. He takes the devil and he binds him for a thousand years while he rules. Notice. And cast him to the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. He should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not had worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now listen. Receiving the mark in their foreheads, his name in their foreheads. You know, it's not going to say beast across their forehead, you know. Some people say he's going to tattoo their name across a forehead. Nonsense. Nonsense. Listen, we're told we have our father's name on our forehead. Is that right in the scripture? Is it going to say father or Jesus written across our heads? It's the same tense. No, it isn't. It means they've taken their doctrine in their minds. See the reformers that wouldn't take the Rome's doctrine. I fear for those churches, evangelical, Pentecostal, or charismatic, I'm doing that wee bracket, whatever you come under, or Baptists or whoever they are, and they're all full of ecumenizing now, ecumenical movements. You know what they're doing? They're taking their doctrine in their mind. The beast's name is being written in their, in their forehead, and their hand shaking hands with them. Fellowship. See if you see Jews today, they have a wee box. Some of them have a wee box. The Orthodox ones have a wee box with scripture in it tied to their forehead, one to the back of their hand. It's the same idea. The word of God and the word of God. That's that's where this comes from. Brothers and sisters, we we don't. We can't. And we won't. He won't. Notice this. I've done over five minutes, is that all right? Revelation 12. I've just got wee points here. I haven't got a sermon written. It's just points to go with it as a, to throw me down somewhere else to show you. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 1, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. This isn't Mary. This isn't the Roman church or the Protestant church. You know what this is? This is Israel. Notice. The woman was clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. See in Genesis 37, read it when you go home. It's the story of Joseph coming to his dad and his brothers and saying, you're stars, I had a dream. And the sun and the moon were my mum and my dad, and the eleven stars, I'm the twelfth, are going to bow down to me. Remember, and they throw him into the pit. 
That's a symbology from Genesis chapter 12 brought into the book of Revelation because it speaks of Jacob, Israel, and his sons and their seed. And Israel were scattered. Israel were scattered. She's being great with child, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. This is the same beast that we'll read in Revelations, Revelation 7. 7. 13. And the stars of heaven did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered. And to devour her child as soon as it was born, and she was brought forth a man. Child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. See the language. Who is that man? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already established that. And she brings him forth. I want to ask you, did the church bring forth Christ, or did Christ bring forth the church? Christ brought forth the church. So it can't be a church. It's Israel, the woman. And the woman fled into the wilderness. Where's that? The, when the, the house of Israel, first of all, across Europe, and then later the house of Judah were scattered all over. Notice verse 7, just for time's sake. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, and deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Come now as salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Notice, and they overcame him. I love this. By the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lamb, brother. Come on. By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. Living a life for Christ. And they love not their lives unto the death. Read that when you go home. Back to Revelation 19 we'll finish. Pardon me, 20. So the first resurrection, Christ will return, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Mark it down, you can read it when you go home again. When Christ returns, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first, the graves will open, we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together uh, to, to meet the Lord in the air. We will return with Christ. These feasts are going to happen, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the feast of the great God, all of this has taken place. We are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. No more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. We have glorified bodies. We come to rule and reign with our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and we sit at the throne of God. Devil's bound. And the world has a, a view of glory of heaven on earth. A thousand years. The devil's loosed again. Why? Because there's going to be those He'll just give him lip service. Give Christ lip service and the devil will tempt them again and show their true heart and God will be justified in his righteous judgment. Notice. Verse 6, Blessed is holy as he hath part in the first resurrection. That's when Christ returns. On such the second death hath no power. On such the second death. Would you say hath no power? Would you say it again? If you're a believer, would you say, The second death hath no power on me? The second death hath no power on me. 
And I'll show you this at another time. I'll, I'll take you through that. I'll do it as a word study with different verses. See the word power? It's a word, exousia. And it means right, privilege, license, authority. And see, when we are there, the second death of a burning lake of fire where the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet are, the second death has no license on me, no right, no power, no privilege. You know why? Because I'm already glorified and I belong to Christ. Amen. I've been under the blood. Notice, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years and in a thousand years are expired. Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog, Magog, they gather them to gather to the battle of the number of whom is the sand of the sea. This Gog, Magog is a different Gog, Magog than Ezekiel 38. This is a gathering together again. Let your eye run down. The verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into a lake of fire with brim, fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell gave up, delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell. Hell there is really the reasons of the dead or the grave. No more death. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Notice the beast, the dragon, the false prophets there. Even the very sense of death. All of hell, isn't it? And it says this is the second death. Notice, and whosoever. Notice, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. It's not somber. See, because of Christ, it has no power in me. It has no right to me. It has no privilege to call me. It has no judicial jurisdiction on my life or on my soul because I have been bought with the blood of Christ. I've trusted in the blood of Christ. I believe in the power of the blood of Christ. Are you saved tonight? Are you under the blood? Or will you be in a lake of fire? He finds you like this. Calvary covers it all. Amen. 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 God bless us all tonight.